0: Welcome to West Ham, North London, where we're forever bursting bubbles. <laughs> I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. I feel like uh, we were, it was like a make good game, really, for, yeah. for the trouble we've had with uh, with West Ham recently. So I, it, it, I'm, I feel good to just right the ship.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it hasn't felt like we needed a lot of ship right in the last few matches. It feels like, uh, you know, we're in one of those... Uh, rosy patches of form where it's uh, Mm. everything is great. And yeah, I mean, you cannot complain about six goals. You cannot. It's not allowed. Yeah. (laughs) If you get negative, I'm just going to shut us up right away.
0: Yeah. Uh, we, we won't, we won't find too much to nitpick about. I promise.
1: Yeah. Uh, let's get, let's get into this. Let's, what do you got to drink this week? Um, well the yonder rep for yonder cider stopped by my work the other day and dropped off a few, uh, few uh, samples and, you know, I can't say no to free booze. So (laughs) um, I'm having the Yonder Hard Cider Vantage is what it's called. It is described as juicy, crisp, and beautifully balanced with bittersweet apples. And uh, crack it open. That is a tasty cider. It's really good. Nice. Light. Yeah. Not too sweet. Uh what I I appreciate about it is that it, it tastes like real apples. I know, you know, like you get some ciders that it just tastes like, I don't know, a Jolly Rancher. <laughs> yeah. This is a really nice, wonderful cider. Highly recommend it. Have you I think they have a taste room down in uh Seattle down your way? Um is yonder the one
0: that's connected to Bailbreaker?
1: Yes. That's the one.
0: Yeah, I've been there, but I didn't have cider. But Yeah.
1: I mean, when there's so much beer. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't pass up all the bail breaker. Yeah, you know, which is one of my favorite beers of all time. So
0: Yeah. That yeah, that um uh
1: little brewery that they have in, in Ballard's pretty sweet. Yeah, it's a beautiful location. I was down there before Sounders game and it was a great place to sit out in the sun, mm. have beers and or ciders and yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's making me excited for spring. <laughs> I want some better outdoor beer drinking weather.
1: It was uh, Up here, it was pretty nice, if not warm, but, you know, not freezing and sunny the last mm. couple of days. Yeah. I could have had an outdoor beer.
0: Yeah, I could probably could have survived. Uh, it looks like it's starting to get cold
1: again. Yeah. So you got to take your moments. Exactly. Strike while the iron's hot. But mm. uh, what are you drinking over there?
0: Uh I don't have anything new this week i I've gone back to the well for the the Elysian befrost bifrost, bifrost. Oh. uh still good I drank a couple two maybe two too too many of <laughs> uh, of these uh during the Super Bowl this weekend I was like i'm i've gotta gotta finish this up, get something new, but this is a it's a solid one
1: yeah I mean that beer can also sneak up on you pretty quick. What's yeah. the uh, percentage on it? It's, uh, I think it's like eight something. Yeah. 8.3. Yeah. It's a, it's a heavy hitter and it doesn't really taste like an 8.3. Mm. -mm. And you know, they, they, so they, I've, I've been uh, tricked by uh, buying a six pack of that and getting far too drunk many a time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I like
1: it. Um, good winter ale for sure. That's probably my favorite of the things Elysian does, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's accurate. Well, that it's almost we're almost out of winter ale season, so I got to finish this up and start looking ahead to
1: the next thing. Get back into a uh, hazy summer. Ugh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Um, OK, what is the the Tim bit this week? Well we had a wonderful suggestion from Joe which I think we will uh, handle in the questions cuz it's hmm. a great one but I already came up with one which is a uh, you know my one of my favorite uh, moments of the game was seeing all the West Ham fans leaving the stadium early. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was it was it was wonderful. Um so I went, I was going to ask you have you ever left a sporting event specifically a pro sporting event early and if so why?
0: I think I, you know, it doesn't stand out to me because I feel like it is, um, especially as like a Seattle sports fan, we've had some pretty <laughs> crummy teams over the years, so it's not unusual to uh, leave a Mariners game early once you've had your fill of beer and uh, <laughs> and uh, nachos and all that stuff because it. At least for for a long time, the game was kind of secondary to the experience of just being there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to to beat the crowd, to catch a train, or to get to your car sooner, it, it you kind of you're, you're kind of weighing weighing your options. It's like, well, I'm not going to get too much out of the last two three innings because this game's already lost. Yeah. So I'm going to head out to the parking lot. Uh, that's pretty normal. There's some dark. There's been some dark days at Seahawks as well. I can't remember leaving a Sounders game early, though. I feel like I've always
1: stuck stuck with it. Give it the yeah, full
0: 90, as they say.
1: Very early on in my uh, sport-watching life, I was at a, a, a baseball game, a Dodgers game, with my uh, dad, my mom, my brother, and the Dodgers are getting destroyed, so my mom convinced my dad to leave a few minutes early, a few innings early to beat the traffic. You know, it was an hour-and-a-half drive home. And of course, that was the one game the Dodgers come back from like a nine run deficit and win the game in the ninth inning. And my dad vowed that we would never, ever leave a game early again. And <laughs> we never did. <laughs> and so that made an impression. So I've I always stick it through, even if it's a, a bad game, because you, you never know. And uh, but a kind of a follow up question to you is what would make you leave an Arsenal or a Sounders game early? Like, where is there a point would you leave early? For one of those games, or are, are, that's
0: tough. I mean, it, I, I can't remember a situation um, where we've gone down like four goals, you know, or anything like that. There
1: early, early on, I think it was first or second year of the Sounders in MLS. Was they, this the the refund game? <laughs> yeah, the refund game. They, I I believe it was a four nothing loss. Uh huh. But I, I mean, I didn't even think or entertain leaving early on that one.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, we had season tickets, so it's like yeah. you're
1: you're just in it. You're just in it for, for the whole thing. And and that's where it's like I always get confused by like seeing those droves of West Ham fans. It's like you, you got to stick through those things. You know, it's only going to be a couple minutes more, and you know, I don't know. I I, can't, I I find it hard to think of a scenario where, you know, if I was at an Arsenal game, and even if we were losing like six nothing or something like that, I'd probably stick around. I mean, I'd probably boo some people and, <laughs> and my frustrations vented. Yeah. But I, I'd be there till the uh the final whistle. I'm trying to think of the
0: game. It was like the sounders had gone down pretty early on, maybe three three goals or something. And it was me and a bunch of our old co-workers mm-hmm. that had gone to the game. And uh they were like nod into it they were kind of like drinking in the concourse and we're, we're we're not we're not paying much attention but i was i was kind of like keeping my ear open yeah and, and sound and and Sounders scored a goal and i was like okay it's getting interesting I, I think i'm gonna go out to the seat like actually mm. watch this game and i was the only one out there watching it there everybody else stayed back and and i ended up watching like come back of the season i think
1: i can't remember what the final score ended up being but. I, I bet you it was one of those four threes against kansas city i think we did it or the sounders did it twice or three times in pretty rapid succession where they went down and it came back to win yeah it was it
0: was a pretty incredible comeback and i was i was like where is everybody I'm doing? <laughs> i can't believe they haven't caught on to this game um yeah yeah it was pretty it was, I would, I enjoyed myself, even if I was sitting by myself. Everybody else was, it was around me was having fun, so I was still yeah. having a good time.
1: Yeah, there's, I, I do like a good comeback like that where everything feels at the end and then, bam, suddenly you win. hmm I mean, that's another another follow-up question is like, would you prefer to come back and win in the last minute or a 6-0 easy stroll through the park? 6-0 um, is pretty fun. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I love destroying teams, and I love winning more. Like it's it, there. There's this the tight games can be fun, but they're also so stressful, so emotional. And I just prefer a nice, easy win nine times out of ten. Um.
0: Yeah, it's it, it it's way it, yeah. I, the, the you do feel like you accomplished a little bit more with a comeback, like you, you endured something, and then got the reward for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the co- the coasting coasting into the 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 finish line with with a copious amount of goals, hard to beat. I mean, just thumping a team is there's there's nothing like it, no, especially you- when you're you know you just never let it, let your foot off the gas really.
1: And the best part of like when you win by more than four goals is you get actually are kind. Of, I, I find that I'm paying more attention to watching the game a little bit. That you actually get to enjoy the goal as opposed to just concentrating on and and trying to nitpick the game. You're just enjoying the game flowing and the goals coming in. Mm-hmm. Well, there's um,
0: there's nothing quite like this this game because it, like I said, it's kind it's kind of a A redemption game, in a way, no, no, um, no real joy for Declan Rice since he joined the the Arsenal team, playing against his his former team. He's lost to them twice already this year. This this was Mm -hmm. a necessary thing for just to help his psyche and to really help him move on. That was what this was all
1: about. (laughs) Exactly, totally about Declan Rice.
0: (laughs) Um the, the keeper of the cherry on the, on top of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I watching this game I, early on, I was just like, I forgot how much I don't like playing against West Ham. Cause really they up until 30 minutes into this game and, and, you know, previous our previous couple matchups with them, they'd really done a lot of work to disrupt and, Make it difficult to get clean shots, and kind of were were doing enough to make it uncomfortable. But they weren't doing so much on the other side of the ball that it really felt like they were going to get a foothold in
1: the game themselves. Yeah, I mean, West Ham is a team that is is built to frustrate the the big teams. They um, they really play, you know, a low back system really try and get draw, try to draw you out as a team and try and hate you on that counter in the, that empty space. You know, I think the two previous games were textbooks examples of, uh, of uh, how they do that. And, you know, they, they're seventh or were seventh. I don't know where they are now for a reason. And they, they generally do that very well. But I think, you know, as the game went on, you really saw Arteta changing the tactics a little bit and the players changing of where they were taking up space. And that really, really opened up the game to devastating effects.
0: Yeah. Just looking at the, the lineup in this game is a little bit slightly different from previous. Um, you know, still, still had Havertz in the, in the lineup, but no longer playing in that, um, that num, uh, false nine position it's time, uh, Chassard comes in and takes that role. Uh, Havertz moves into the, the midfield taking over for, um, Jorginho in that position ish.
1: I mean, <laughs> kind of inverted opposite part of the <laughs> the midfield, but yeah, same, same idea. I or same nominal position, but I, I really do like having a Havertz. I think in that area, I think that's where Havertz excels as a player. And I thought he added a, another amazing game.
0: Yeah, I just, I can't complain about him in, in any position, really, because he seems to pop up where needed,
1: mm-hmm.
0: whether it be defensively or just as a link-up player, or even as a focal point if you want to push him up forward a little bit. He seems to just do enough to make things flow well. and. uh the, de- the defensive contributions and breaking up plays and um it's, it's just, he does enough and that's, mm-hmm. that's what we've come to expect from him. But then he has little moments where he, you know, he, he <laughs> will disrupt play and it's like, Oh yeah, he's, he's got that in his toolbox too. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's, it's interesting to watch him do very different things com- from one week to the next, but still be a good contributor. Um, even though he's not on the score sheet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, the, the key to it is that you just have to have a, a different expectation for Havertz. And I think uh, the soccer world in general, a lot of the soccer world in general, has of him. that I think you, you, we've been lucky that we have had a plethora of midfielders that like to score. And we have, you know, the Sockers, the Martinelli's of the world that are really mm-hmm. kind of really lethal midfielders, whereas Havertz isn't that player. I don't think you could make any argument that he's a lethal goal scorer at this point, Mm. but, uh, but he does do those things, right. Especially in that position he played, uh, this last game of occupying that space, being that link up, as you said, destroying plays and just being uh, a valuable midfielder. And, you know, he plays a little bit further up than Jorginho and does have a little bit more of a forward thinking, uh, uh gameplay than Jorginho does. So it's just a, you know, a different tool, but uh getting the same results. Mm-hmm. And with with Rice playing behind
0: him and kind of Trasard playing interchangeably in that uh that uh withdrawn forward position, um, Havertz would just put, kind of pop up in empty that empty space that would get left with, you know, between Martinelli, Rice and Trasard, he would kind of find that those gaps in the, in the defense and uh, make himself available. And that's, I think that's what we can get from him right now. And I I hope, I I hope he continues to ingrain himself in the team and get more comfortable and uh, contribute in more flashier ways. But I Mm -hmm. I can't complain about his, his role over the last couple of games and Trissard coming in, playing up top, um, looking good as usual i uh, can't complain about him either he's been uh really i mean he scores <laughs> when he plays he scores like that's yeah. that's what that's what it comes down to um he's he's looked fantastic as well and this uh this was a great a great team game in general it's it's mm-hmm. hard to call out any anyone in particular that um outshone everybody else but everybody made co- great contributions. Um, can't forget about uh, Kivior coming in and uh, spelling the often injured <laughs> <Dinchenko>. <laughs> Um But, you know, if, Kivior is like one of those players I'm always like uh, a little nervous about because I feel like he has a couple iffy plays in him. But overall, I think he, he, he had a pretty solid game, um, had some good crosses in popped up in good areas. He's not going to be a Zinchenko. He's not necessarily our best, um, defender by any means, but he, he seems to give,
1: be slowly getting a little bit better each time he gets the opportunity. I mean, I am a huge, I'm totally on the QVR fan, fanboy bandwagon, whatever you want to call it. I, I, I think, uh, he also had a, a great defensive game. He, you know, or er, very early on made a, a great defensive stop. He, uh, he's not the finished product, which is a thing I, I'm always going to try and remind everybody that, you know, he's, I, I really feel he's kind of in that same boat, uh, as was when we first picked him up that, uh, mm. he's, he's got a lot of time to develop. So he's not the finished polished product, but, you know, based on game, the last few games he's played, he's, he's very i don't have i personally don't have like a a pit in my stomach when i see him starting like a a feeling in the pit of my stomach i i'm generally feel like okay he's got this and i think games like uh uh, this last game really show showcase that he's able to take up that spot and you know as Jinchenko gets injured and also as we go forward in the coming seasons i think we're going to you know see a lot more of kiviora yeah,
0: I like that he can be available as a the left back or can play cent- more centrally in the defense mm-hmm. and um, offers different things. And I think he's he's a great pickup as far as adding depth to this team. And like you said, it's not like a huge drop off. It's it's just a different look, and so it's 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 good for um, team stability to have a player like that and not really have any gaps in the lineup when he comes in.
1: Yeah, and I also wonder if we would have played him anyways, even if Zinchenko wasn't injured. Because if you really, if you look at how Arsenal set up, they kind of set up very differently to how they have in the past, which is or the past few games, which is uh, in, kind of recently what they've been doing is either Zinchenko or White kind of slots up into this kind of a uh, m- midfield role, kind of cuts in a little bit, and Arsenal's trying to create this little boxy thing in the midfield mm. to kind of link everything together but this game they were really worried about the counter-attack and so they both white and kiviar started the game and in the first 20 minutes you see it especially really high up the pitch so that the back line kind of made a, a big u mm-hmm. in there and I, I i wonder because i think Key viewer has a stronger defensive presence than Zinchenko does, and has a little bit more discipline not to go into that midfield area. Yeah, Then I think he if he might have been in the plans even without the injury.
0: Yeah, I think it's good to with a player like Zinchenko who is frequently dealing with calf injuries and little little knocks here and there. Um, even if he is available, I I don't think it's a bad idea to rotate him and maybe come have him come off the bench occasionally to just give him some rest and make sure he's not pushing, pushing himself too hard because I think given the option, he would probably play every game, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's that sort
1: of player based on how he's held up. Yeah. And, and also just, you know, different teams needing different strategies as well. You know, that mm-hmm. Janko isn't the correct answer to every, every team, you know? Right.
0: well, We've got lots of goals to talk about, so we should get, get into that. I I really, like I said, the, this game was pretty, um, static up until about that 30th minute. There were some attempts on goal, but nothing that was very clean. Like we weren't getting good, Mm -hmm. good shots up until the inevitable set piece goal (laughs) from, uh, from Saliba, uh, who was who was, uh, maybe overdue? You know, Gabriel gets a lot of the the looks, but Saliba is is a, or their big man that's constantly in, in the box, and um, he's he he looked like it, it was it was pretty easy on him. I mean, they they didn't do too much to stop him from a very open look at the goal. Yeah, on this I play.
1: mean, you you do have to. I think the set piece coach that we brought in is definitely earning his money <laughs> right now. I think uh, For sure. we've been looking really good. And it, it and also having two of the best uh, headers in the, in the game or at least in the premier league with Gabriel and uh, Saliba also helps. And, you know, they both showed themselves very capable on set pieces and doing things in the attacking box as well as the defending box. So it, uh, it's, it's handy to have those two weapons and really, showing our, um, set piece goals is, uh, is, uh, yeah, just where we want to be.
0: Yeah. It's only his second goal of the season, but, um, like I said, I think he was over overdue to get some of the shine that, um, that Gabrielle gets on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gabrielle, uh, was the first to, (laughs) you know, really run up to him and, and be excited for him. So, you know, those two are, um, the 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 center back contingent is is strong in our team and I think the um the the goal contributions that they're able to contribute it, it, it you know we haven't having defenders who can score and who are dangerous threats especially at their size and young age um I I really I think they're going to continue to hone that skill and and we know that Saliva's not necessarily the strongest with his head so I think if mm-hmm. you can get him some confidence. Um, it's great to have that op- that option, especially as we um uh, get seem- seemingly better and better at these set
1: piece situations and getting these guys open looks. Yeah, and I think the other thing not to sleep on is Rice's delivery, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All game long Rice has had a, had great delivery of these dead ball situations and, you know, that's kind of been going under the radar at least for me. As, as another another thing that Rice has brought to the team is is excellent delivery of the ball.
0: Yeah, I think that he, I when I'm watching him, like he's he's fantastic at pretty much everything he does. I would say his his forward passing leaves a little bit to be des- desired for me personally. Some mm-hmm. people may think otherwise, but I always feel like he doesn't put enough zip on the ball, or you know, isn't quite as clinical as like an Odegaard in, in those situations, even though he's popping up in similar areas. Mm-hmm. um, So that's, if I had to nitpick his game, that would be the only thing is that he, he kind of like when he's passing out to Saka, you know, he sometimes needs to get the ball forward a little bit more. And then st- instead of kind of that, uh, uh, a slow ball that forces players to check back, but that's really just looking for <laughs> something to complain about. Yeah. and And otherwise like, his his he really is a great technical player, and we'll we'll get to his his goal <laughs> contribution. But um, his pat his crosses are are really coming into the, the like the impact that they have on the team has really been um, showing up in the last couple games. So great great to see him being able to put in a, a consistent cross a consistent. Uh, Corner, he's he's just you know what to expect from him, and I think that helps when you're creating set set pieces. It's like, oh well, we, we know we're going to get the ball into this area without issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think I feel like that was the crack in the dam, and then it broke pretty quickly. <laughs> um That happened in the 32nd minute, and then, um, it felt like we just kind of kept pounding him after that and stuff. It wasn't like. Uh, it all happened. It, it, it didn't all come together right away, but you know, it was only like ten minutes before mm-hmm. Saka really put started putting the pressure on.
1: Well, I mean, it was it, it's pretty interesting. I, I've I watched a, a video about the tactics and really talking about the tactical shift that Arsenal did around the thirtieth minute, mm. where uh, they moved Ben White in to kind of make that a magic square that they've been talking a lot about for Arsenal and le- basically leaving the entire right side of the defense wide open for <laughs> for West Ham, which they never took advantage of. But mm-hmm. it allowed, because, you know, Odegaard had been really checking back a lot to pick up the ball. And once they made that s- situation, it allowed Odegaard to go back into his favorite zone and, and kind of distribute and kind of really unlocked West Ham at that point. And, you know, after that, that change, it really felt like they did get unlocked.
0: Yeah. I think that was something that, um, Jorginho really all- allowed for as well when he was playing was that mm-hmm. when, when Odegaard gets kind of freed of having to go back and find the game and has people behind him that, are, that can be, um, facilitators to his, his favorite position. Like if, if he's got the, protection and somebody who can get the, get him the ball and through his, his feet in the, that kind of half space that he likes mm-hmm. to pop up in it. Uh, it really allows him to be the lethal pastor that we've seen him. But when he has to try to create some, like go back and collect the ball deeper in the field and bring it forward, not to say that he's bad, but I just feel like it's, um, He's just got more to do, you know, like Mm -hmm. if if he can collect the ball a little bit further up the field, like he, he just, he's like a one or two pass touch sort of player before he finds that, that next pass. And if he can play quickly like that, it really catches teams off guard because he, he doesn't take much to find that, that key pass that can really unlock teams.
1: Yeah. And he and, and it's also him basing goal and being able to like look at the goal face on as opposed to you know checking back, have your back to goal and really, you know, he's in some ways he's the opposite of rice or the not the mirror image of Rice where his forward passing and his his ability to pick out those uh attacking passes is is his specialty.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think back to the to that soccer um penalty situation. Was it
1: Gazard that p- yeah, picked him out?
0: Was, yeah, it was Tressard, yeah. And you know, we don't we don't, for as much as we rely on on Saka and his and playing down his flank with Odegaard, we don't see that sort of pl- play too often where Sokka's running into space and somebody's mm-hmm. picking him out from deep. Uh we see that a lot from Martinelli. But finding Saka running down the middle of the field, no less. I mean, it's just almost unheard of. Um, but maybe we need to see it more. If teams are going mean, to,
1: maybe it's because most teams don't let him do that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's uh, what's been happening the last few games with uh, when Jesus hasn't been playing that, that striker role and we've had this false nine. It really does open up that space for kind of Whoever wants to be in that space, I guess, mm. would be the uh, the best way to put it, whether whether it's Martinelli, whether it's uh, Havertz or whether it's Saka kind of filling that space where a striker would be. And, you know, that's, you know, a perfect example of it. And I mean, I've, I've joked before that typically for Saka, you could put kind of uh, stack all his goals on top of each other in a video and it kind of look the same all coming in from that right side and coming in. But, yeah, making that run. You don't see it very often, and uh, obviously, the keeper wasn't prepared to to deal with that in a uh, rational way.
0: Yeah, I mean even leading up to you know between that that first goal and and Saka's penalty, um, he had like two or three opportunities mm-hmm. in short succession, um, and he, you know, even though he had two goals in this game, I think even he would say he didn't have his best his best game based on the opportunities he had. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's crazy to think that this game easily could have been well more than six goals. And Sokka, those, those chances that he had in between the, the, the first and the second goal were, were were all guilted and not far away from going in the net. Yeah.
0: I think he could, he could have had four, four goals easily by himself in this game, which would have been great for my fantasy team, but, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, uh, the penalty call, you know, running running to that space one on one with the keeper, basically, Uh you you would have you would have guessed he would have scored that or at least yeah drawn the penalty, and and it, it ended up being the penalty this time around. And I I get nervous in those situations because you see keepers get kind of desperate and and make mm-hmm. silly plays, and I I think when whenever you've got a keeper that's coming out and trying to um be the last defender. It 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 can result in some some pretty pretty poorly thought out decisions. Yeah, uh, you know desperation will make you do some crazy stuff, but uh, you you hope it doesn't result in injury. And i you know I I think anytime you see a player go down, you're like, oh, is that real or is that, mm. uh, is there is there anything is there anything wrong? Luckily, this was just front of the mill clipping of the foot, kind of coming together um Saka goes down easy penalty call they did do a VAR check to ensure that he was onside in the with the Troussard uh cross and uh everything came came back fine he looked really solid on the the penalty kick i think he's for for all the the doubt that may come to mind from his misses i think the last one of the last ones he had was against West Ham but you know it's mm-hmm. he he doesn't seem deterred by that at all he goes up there with what se- what seems like pretty confident um he just doesn't look like he's he's at all bothered by any of that and continues to just do his thing
1: i mean i think really that penalty miss f- uh, for england in the uh, euros last time around just makes it so that he's just so confident about it. I think it was probably the best thing for his penalty taking in, in some ways to miss that penalty, because in you know in some ways the worst that you can happen when you miss a penalty happened to him, and now it's all just uh, straightforward. And he is a great penalty taker, and even the best miss, you know, Roberto Baggio miss, like you, the you. I think he just at this point has all the confidence in the world that he's going to score that most of the time.
0: Yeah, and that I, I think he, he has to feel like nobody can really stop him. You know, like if you have mm-hmm. to trick yourself, you have to, you have to say the only person that can stop me is me. And then once mm-hmm. you get over that, then, then pretty, pretty hard to stop a penalty if you're, if you're doing your job right. And I think he's, it, it really comes down to just being confident and not, not getting in your own head about it.
1: Yeah. Easier said than done for the rest of us, though. So. <laughs> I've the only penalty I took in uh, anger. I missed badly, so I understand <laughs> when people miss penalties. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it that
0: was really if if uh, Saliba's goal was a crack in the dam, uh, Saka's goal was the dam smashing open because that was the start of three goals before the <laughs> end of the half. <laughs> and the next, the next one again coming back to rice just putting it on a dime mm-hmm. uh and <laughs> I gotta wonder what what Gabrielle said to him because he, he made a he made a point to go say-, say something to rice before the, the mm-hmm. kick and, and and maybe it's look for me, maybe it's something more tech that you yeah. know there's maybe something more technical like i'm I've got a mismatch here or something, but, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't see where anybody could have done anything to stop him. Like the way, the place that rice puts it, it, it is Gabriels all the way.
1: There's just yeah. nothing
0: that the defense could do.
1: And I also want to doff my cap once again to the uh, set piece coach. Cause that, uh, mm-hmm. that set piece was beautifully run the way they, uh, lined up offsides. were able to check in just perfectly kind of draw that, uh, West Ham defender to bring them all on side and you had kind of three, three bites of the apple as well. You know, you had mm-hmm. three players right there and one of them was going to put it in. I think the camera person thought it was uh, Havertz at first. So they panned straight to Havertz and then it was, uh, it turned out it was uh, Gabriel that uh, had the, uh, the actual header. Yeah. And he, he smashed it.
0: I mean, there was just no, no doubt when he did, did connect that it was going in. Mm-hmm. Um yeah so another great set piece situation, and you'd think we'd be done for the half, but they added seven minutes <laughs> I'll so take it. we'll take we'll take the opportunity to ride that momentum and uh this was this is a trissard special i mean we've seen we have seen Saka kind of dominate on that uh, right hand side where he will cut in on his left foot and this is kind of the the Troussard version of that doing doing the opposite end and just that little touch to create space uh nice feed for Modrigand and at this point i'm like this this west ham team is is checked out and yeah. there there's guys just standing around him i mean he doesn't have to they're not playing him close at all so really mm-hmm. he only has to do like a touch to get himself a way into, to to shoot into. And, um, he, he makes his shot look easy, but probably not as easy as it looks, but he, uh, just, just a nice little curled ball into the top corner. And I, again, I think he's his, his goal contributions have been steady and, and (laughs) the, the consistency, um, always brings a lot of people to say, you know, he needs to, start every game I don't know if he's that I still think he's a great like rotational player a great uh, option off the bench but I don't I don't know if he's going to be the buck on starter especially with the the other players that we have that can play that position
1: well I mean if the position is the false nine I think I, I would start him almost every time in that false nine. I, I I am probably going to be one of those people that's clamoring for him to start most games, but again, I think it's a, a a case of of taking it team by team. I I think there are teams where he's going to excel as a starter, and I think that's it's a no brainer to start him. Um, and there's going to be teams where you you don't want to be necessarily playing that false nine strategy against, or and want a more traditional style, but in 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 my mind and i know and this isn't you know a hating on jesus thing but in my mind he's done more to justify that position than jesus has this year mm hmm um you know wh- when you
0: have a jesus available you've got havertz you've got Troussard, um and then supplemented by saka and martinelli it's like it, i when the things are firing like they they are, it's hard to see where a true number nine all out striker fits into that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's probably a good thing we didn't spend three hundred million dollars for a uh, <laughs> mediocre striker that's available, right? Until we get to our next scoring slump, and then we're all clamoring for. <laughs> a yeah, it, it certainly
0: ebbs and flows, but you know, I I don't every striker it, it's is susceptible to mm-hmm. dry spells and um it's it's not necessarily always going to be down to one guy it takes a team to win games so mm-hmm. the fact that we're finding multiple ways to score goals um not just with set pieces but now getting back into uh run a play it it's it's not the, the open play goals really
1: remind me that this team has a lot of options. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it is hard. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, by the, by Trissard's goal, there is a little bit of arsenals playing off the pitch, but there is also a lot of West Ham gave up, as you mentioned earlier. It's, you know, when you watch it through arsenals an arsenal lens, it's, it's amazing to see these plays and things, but when you're watching it, from a more neutral or maybe West Ham specific lens, you're looking at those defenders just gave up. And if I were a coach, I would be at the end of the game just showing them the video and yelling at them, <laughs> you know? yeah.
0: I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the next school here, but the uh, showing the fans leaving the stadium at, at the half <laughs> with a four goal with a, you know, four goal yeah. deficit. You can you can understand that the fans know they're watching mm-hmm. their team and being like they don't got it today. Yeah, they just, they're not in it. Um, so by the time they roll into the second half, I don't. I, it it's hard to come back from a four you know from four goals down. It's not it, it it's not a small tactical tweak. No, you it, you have to do some wholesale changes, and then it's like okay, well, do we have a team that can actually come back and and i don't know that even west ham at their best would have that in them
1: yeah i mean i think that's always the uh the hard part but i, I think it also is a, a a good sign for arsenal that they're kind of getting this reputation of you know when you're for when when they when Arsenal's taking the lead and has their tail up you kind of as a a, a player against them do have your head down and you know it's just going to be a long day and that's a it's a good reputation to have, as opposed to you know, you you look at a team's playing against United, though not recently, or other other teams that you know you always feel you're still in it. That you know, even if you're their four, four goals down, you you still have a way back in. Whereas I think teams are really at the point with Arsenal. If your four goals in, just pack it in and uh, come back the next week. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we we're talking. We've talked a lot about how this this season compares to last year. And how those early goals last season were kind of a an important piece to Arsenal getting out getting out ahead early and and putting the pressure on other teams. But I I do like this um kind of build up that has come through uh, just controlling games and wearing teams down to the point where you know our first goal doesn't come until the 32nd minute. And then at that point we're in the ascendancy and, you know, in this case, West Ham just like, there's not enough left in the tank. There's not enough. There, there isn't enough time to try to come back to, from that. And, and most teams don't have a a really good plan B just sitting on the bench. That's going to get them back into game. So, if you can really dominate from beginning to end, as far as possession and just applying pressure, most teams can't just withstand that. So it's a little bit better strategy than going out early and then hoping that you can maintain that lead throughout the game. I think this, this more controlled game plan is definitely, we're starting to see that come to fruition and that, that uh, feels a little more comfortable and less frantic.
1: Yeah. And I think it's, uh, when you try and go for that early goal, the one thing it does do is leave you open for the, mm-hmm. uh, the counter attack. And I think we saw that last year as well. There was a, a definitely a big spate of, uh, early goals against us as well. Exactly.
0: Um, so yeah, going into the, the second half four goals up, you're like, well, what, what else can we do? You know, mm-hmm. it, it didn't look like West Ham had, um, any answers for what we were doing and nothing it it's exemplified by the the fifth goal from uh from Saka and it's just like one pass from Odegaard just open open West Ham up and and uh Saka is standing amongst like seven seven West Ham defenders <laughs> and and still finds the space like the, it was crazy to me that A Odegaard could find him in the box and um he basically takes a couple touches and finds his favorite left foot and you know how it goes. If he gets the time
1: and the space, it's, it's over. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it's nice also for a socket to get his brace as well. I think, uh, Mm. we've been uh, a little bit worried. (laughs) I was uh, talking to Jordan friend of the podcast, Jordan about this game before, and I was pretty confident on the, uh, On the game, but I said my my worry was goals. I was worried we weren't going to be able to score (laughs) enough goals. And I was proven wrong. And part of that worry has been that, you know, both Sokka and Martinelli have been quiet, not in the last couple games, but kind of leading up this stretch of three games or so that we've had.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, to see Sokka getting a brace this game really shows that, you know, (laughs) there's still a lot of left in his tank and a lot of goals left uh, to be had. Yeah,
0: it was what you would want. Um it it, it like you said, it it it's good for, for Sokka to have something to show for his efforts because he did have quite a few efforts on goal. And uh it, it's not you know, you gotta have something to show for that that work. And mm-hmm. he he's uh he's been really solid. He's put in a lot of a lot of good shifts. It it just need, needed the the payoff.
1: Yeah, and as you said, he you know he he could have scored well more than two goals this game. He could have been a hat trick or more easy. Oh yeah. Um,
0: yeah he he's he's been not quiet.
1: I don't know if quiet's the right word. No, but I I know what you mean. I, it's uh, you. I think we we also all have very high high expectations of him mm-hmm. and he hasn't been you know like the star of every single game and but you know and this game it's it's even funny because i don't think you, you as you said earlier there's no like particular one player that you'd go like this player is of a player that like took the game by the scruff of the neck other than possibly odegaard you could almost make that argument with odegaard but i think it was a, a very emphatic team victory in the fact that you had six goals and five goal scorers really uh, highlights that team yeah. aspect to everything. And just the control of the game um
0: is a team effort and, and the, you know, 93% pass accuracy, mm. 71% possession, 12 shots on target.
1: I mean, they were just dominant across, across yeah. the board. You love to see that. And, you know, I know West Ham plays, a more uh, defensive counterattacking style where they're not as worried as uh, on possession, but you know, 71% possession tells its own story. And there are very, going to be very few games where you have 71% possession where you don't win. Mm -hmm. I I believe there's one earlier that that happened with Arsenal. Was it Newcastle? But uh, (laughs) it doesn't happen often. Yeah.
0: There's always weird games (laughs) that uh, fly against the, common sense of what the stats are telling you (laughs) um yeah great to see great to see the the soccer routine come off you know he he just if you leave him the time and the space in that area he is going to punish you Mm -hmm. um that's why he gets fouled so much (laughs) because the teams know they have to stop him before he gets into that area really
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it is, you know, a no brainer that he is, if he has the space in that area, he's just going to bury it. You Mm -hmm. have, you, you have to foul him. You have to take him out because you know, he will destroy you otherwise.
0: Yeah. And you know, before we could put this game to bed, there (laughs) had to be one more, right? There had to to be, had to be the icing, the cherry on top. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and this comes from, you know, it, it, Arsenal was just screwing around at this point in the game. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the sixth, 65th minute, but, you know, like we're just passing the ball around and and West Ham has nothing. They they can't, they look gassed mm-hmm. and they can't get close to our players. So, you know, this comes off of a, a Ben White uh, miss. Well, he did, I don't know that he misplayed it. It kind of got, it was, there was some c- confusion between Troussard and, Odegaard. Um, and, and they were both primed to, to take a solid shot from the top of the box basically, but both of them kind of thought the other one was going to get it. And, uh, yeah, just the, the ball just was, was well, well, um, well laid off. So just the right pace on it to have somebody come onto it and here comes out out of the, from out of the frame, (laughs) (laughs) it's rice coming out of nowhere um and puts puts his laces through it and i think um you know as as much as he needed this win uh to kind of solidify his his arsenal transfer to put mm-hmm. put his west ham days behind him um he was very gracious in his uh his celebration and 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 didn't go and didn't really do much of anything to celebrate, which is what you expect from a player that still has respect for his former team, but he deserved a big celebration mm-hmm. for that. Cause that was a, you know, when he scores, he scores big, You know, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's had some late game winners and this one, um, well, not necessary for the, for the team was really an emphatic, uh, end to the, the, the goal bonanza that we had in this game.
1: I believe that is the definition of a banger. Like that mm. was just a, a crack. It was, it was, it. Was, you love to see it. And I remember watching it real time. And when uh, there was that miscommunication between uh, Odegaard and Troussard, I was, I was kind of, you know, you know, not really mad, but I was like, ah man, like they missed it. That was uh, going to be a great, go- oh wait. <laughs> uh-huh. And then here how oh, pops the rice and he just uh, laces it. Yeah. And you know, the celebration was muted, but he did tap the badge, which is, you know, a little mm-hmm. bit of a, a nod. And I think he you, you it's you you can take these things way out of proportion. And, you know, he's obviously an Arsenal player and is probably mentally already there. But it it probably is kind of a transition period now. Like he's he scored against his former team. He's beaten his former team emphatically. Like there's a he's I I feel like this is the last step before he's really now just an Arsenal player. He's Mm -hmm. moved on in his life, at least, you know, in the fans mind, if not his mind,
0: I, you know, I've seen, I've watched him a little bit when he was with West Ham, but Mm -hmm. I feel like he has been so, so good. I think he's, he's probably leveled up his game a little bit, just, just by having some more quality around him Mm -hmm. and get, he, he, it's really given the freedom to pop up where he's needed, and mm-hmm. he has such a good sense of where he needs to be um' it's a great example of that just he it, it seems like he has that sense when there's a loose ball he's there to step in and create turnovers and if there's space that needs to be covered, whether that's on offense or defense he seems to Know when to get there, and this is the great example of that happening on the offensive side of things. And
1: yeah, I mean, he's right place, right time. In my mind, he is the closest you're going to get to a complete player as a defensive midfielder. As Mm -hmm. you said, you have the little nitpick of his forward passing, and I do agree. I mean, if he was a ten out of ten player that had all the attributes, that would be you know better. But you know, you you know, no player can be everything. (laughs) Otherwise, it would be crazy. He's He's
0: still got time.
1: I mean, yeah. he's not, he doesn't have to be a complete player yet. Yeah. But, uh, even if he, even if that, that aspect of his game never evolves, he's mm. still worth every single penny we paid for him in the transfer. He, he does, he can do so much. And, you know, just even if he doesn't have the forward pa- pass, being able to pop up in that kind of third band, I guess you would call it. I don't know exactly. Just like, just a little bit outside the box. Mm-hmm. And pick up that the 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 missed opportunities and just bury them. Like, uh, that's another thing that he does. You know, and this isn't the first time he's done it, and I don't think it'll be the last. And it's, I I think he is one of the more one of the better pickups we've made in years, and one of the most important players to our team and how it functions. Yeah, when you compare the price tag to to
0: somebody like Pepe, who was. <laughs> way overpriced it's like he was never gonna never gonna live up to that price tag whereas Mm -hmm. you look at rice and it's like well for the value that he brings to the team i feel like even at the price we paid it was a steal
1: yeah no i mean i know it's like the largest transfer fee we've ever paid or something close Mm -hmm. but i i i still think it's a steal (laughs) like yeah it's a good tidy piece of business even if it was a lot
0: they just, yeah, they don't, players like him just don't come
1: around. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something to be said for a player that's bedded into the Premier League. That's the, you know, mm-hmm. one of the bigger differences is a, you know, with Pepe, you don't know how they're going to react to the Premier League. Whereas with Rice, he has a body of evidence. He, this is how he reacts to the Premier League. He knows there. I don't wonder if he even moved houses, you know, like he didn't have right. any adjustment period.
0: Yeah and that was that was pretty much the game. I think the other um notable thing was the subs that came on and it was uh I think Rice was after his goal was kind of he was out after that and then uh the the rest of the subs came on and you got to see some some <laughs> players that you you wouldn't normally expect to see short of these blowout matches and um, you know, and Kedia, Nelson, El Nani, oh. Cedric, and, and, uh, a, a great cameo from, uh, uh, Ethan Neri, who's still, still just 16. We have to keep, keep that in mind, but, you know, coming in on the right wing and, um, looks smooth. Like I, you know, mm-hmm. he, he didn't have, have much to do, but his, control and uh confidence on the ball is evident so at at 16 i am really excited to see what he does in the next two three years like he's we we have not seen players like him around maybe since i don't know wilshire wilshire or sesk you know like just not there's we haven't had a lot of young players come in and really have um impact at that young age uh so I'm I'm really I'm curious to see how he fits in, whether he sticks around or whether we end up um, having a, a really valuable asset with him. But he's he's he looks like he has the the confidence and silkiness on the ball that
1: will translate well in the Premier the Premier League. Yeah, and it always makes me happy to see Onetti. I I have a soft spot for that player, and it's it's nice to see some of these faces. It's 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 always fun when you're you're winning a game by so much that you can kind of make some cameos. Cedric, I the player I constantly forget, still on our team, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, and we had like
0: two a couple other young players I would have liked to have seen, but I understand why you don't necessarily want to put all your teenagers on the field at the same time, even if you are up six goals, yeah. <laughs> it would probably be too much of a lineup disruption, but uh, good to see that, you know, it sounds like there was uh, encouragement from the players on the bench to get one in there. So I'm, um, I, I, it sounds like he's, he's won over the first team players and, and his uh, limited involvement that he's had um,
1: leading up to this game. I think that, a, there's a desire to see more of him. It's funny too, that uh I- uh, you you remember seeing the rise of uh, Saka and Martinelli and, and Kedia. and I remember it was this you know feeling that uh, when we were going through bad times that we just had to like kind of hold on till these players develop and then they'll come into the first team and be those superstars. But now that we've kind of made moved the transition into the the Saka era for a better lack of a better term, uh, you you kind of forget about the academy and it's it's nice to see that that kind of conveyor belt of talent is still rolling through and that there's still, Mm. you know, a lot of bright prospects that are going to, you know, be taking the mantle away from some of these players once, you know, the time moves on and, you know, players move on.
0: Yeah, it's, I think that's, that's part of the arsenal DNA is having those, those young players that are kind of nipping at the edges and, and pushing the first team players. And, um, yeah, it pays off once in a while so i having a kind of a, a free free transfer without mm-hmm. whether we we sell him on or or bring him into the first team um as a, as a full on starter uh considering the cost of a, a winger yeah it's it's a big it, it's it's a big net positive whether we keep him or not but uh i'm curious to see where he where he shakes out you know he could definitely be an Odegaard type. He could be a soccer type. Like I'm not really sure what he is yet. So, um, it, it, it'll be, uh, fun to watch him develop his game. Definitely. Was there anything more you wanted to talk about this game? I, you know, six goals is enough. (laughs) That's plenty to talk about. And, and we've got, uh, we've got some games coming up, you know, we've got, uh, Couple games before we talk again. Um, mm-hmm. Burnley coming up this weekend has to be shaken in their boots after this performance.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the nice things that the kind of the last three to four games have shown is that we've had kind of a, a, a varied challenge. You had, you know, the the Crystal Palace. You had the the Forest, which were both you know, quote unquote, easy games, but you know, games you were expecting to win, and you kind of set up differently and we really and this this last game against West Ham we've really shown that we can dominate those games and really go for the throat but then you throw in that Liverpool game where we really played smart and you know played really well against a, a, you know the top team in the league right now it it really gives me a lot of confidence going into this Burnley game which is a dangerous spot to be in i guess <laughs> but uh, that uh we're at a spot where we're able to take different challenges like this Burnley game is going to be and, and excel, you know, Burnley, it's going to be a game where they are going to be in a low block, defending for their lives, looking for a counter, looking for anything lucky to happen their way. But I, I just, I feel at this moment we have so much momentum going for us that uh, we should be able to really handle this
0: game yeah we didn't mention that this uh this last game was such a huge boost to our our standings um not necessarily in our points total but the goal differential was getting that six that plus six mm-hmm. in the in the goals four column was huge in in moving us up closer to uh um the the leaders in the pack here um now thirty two Or plus thirty two for Liverpool and um, plus thirty one for us in Man City. Uh, It it took some of the pressure off, really. Like we, you know, if if it came down to it, I would hate to lose out to one of those teams because we didn't score enough goals. Yeah, and uh, I think Burnley offers an opportunity here to pad that that number a little bit more, and I'd love to see us catch up to to Liverpool and put, turn the screws a little bit, you know, uh, 50, you know, we could end the weekend at 55 points. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think Liverpool or Man City are going to drop, drop points this weekend, but you never know. Uh, if we continue to put, apply pressure from that third,
1: third position, uh, we're, we're just waiting for them to slip up. I mean, that's a, it's my preferred position to be in the league table at this point is that team kind of lurking in the background, turning the pressure on ourselves and just, you know, we can't, we can't control what Liverpool or city do at this point. We just have to do our game and, and you know, I'll do respect to Burnley, which just means I'm about to disrespect them, but you know, they're <laughs> they're not a, they're definitely not a form team right now. They're, they're languishing at the bottom they are They don't, really look like they have anything going for them so we just we need to be clinical we need to figure it well it's going to be a t- tough game I think there's going to be a, a a long period where we're going to try and struggle to break down their low block but I I just feel if we play like with the way we played against West Ham we have the tools to break down that that low block
0: yeah you know Burnley just just lost to to Liverpool um <laughs> lost to Man City you know they've yeah. They've, uh, they've had a tough run. <laughs> it's yeah. been a, a lot of, a lot of tough games for them. Um, and you know, I think we really, we, we, I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not as worried about us. Uh, mm-hmm. what I would love to see is like a, a you know, Chelsea freaking show up this weekend and, <laughs> and beat city. That would be fantastic. Or, you know, um, <laughs> a freak loss uh, uh, for Liverpool against uh, Brentford. You know, I just, uh, something like that would be lovely to to add to our, our, uh, our march forward here. Cause I think we're doing everything we can. We need some help.
1: You never know with Chelsea. Uh, I mean, Chelsea definitely does have the tools to do, to do it. Uh, Chelsea is just one of those teams that you just never know which Chelsea is going to show up. Is it going to be the, highly functional, uh, forward thinking team, or is it going to be the team that is passive and <laughs> just let the game happen to them? So I'm hoping in this instance for the, uh, the former as opposed or the latter as opposed to the former.
0: Yeah. They're, they're capable of, of playing well. They just, I don't know if they, they have, they have it in them
1: this year to take it to man city. Well, and it's, it's interesting with that city team, because I think city is vulnerable right now. That they they have been stringing together wins, but it's it's they do they don't look like the behemoth they have. They've shown mm-hmm. vulnerabilities, even though they beat Copenhagen. It wasn't a straightforward victory for them, and the three one kind of flattered them to some extent in the the Champions League. And you know they they do have that Champions League game to think about. And so, yeah, I mean, here is hoping. I think this year is a year in which you know, it's not the dominant man city we're used to just a very good man city. So, you know, yeah, they find a way they find a way.
0: Well, um, beyond our premier league match this weekend, there's also champions league returning, which is, uh, you know, c- could be considered a distraction, but I think we're, f- we have to be feeling pretty good about our chances, um, against Porto, maybe not, discounting them at all but really just saying we we
1: the way we've been playing we should be able to compete pretty well in champions league as well i'm so excited about champions league being in the knockout stage i forgot the this feeling of being in the knockout stage and it's you know i I think i said i've said this the last couple times we talked about the champions league it's one thing to just watch the champions league and i do it you know i watch the two games uh today but to have skin in the game to 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 realize that these games matter for us is is just so exciting um you know porto is a good team they're they're, here, they're in the knockout stage for a reason they uh you know we portuguese opposition took us out of the uh, europa league last year so you know you just can't say it's going to be a walk in the park and you know it isn't a champions league knockout stage game so it's going to be a it's going to going to be a, a tough one, I think, but it's, as you said, I think it's, we have the talent and we have the momentum that I think it's something that we should be looking at winning or at least getting a, a favorable result to, uh, to finish it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the tricky part I think is, is with any European competition going away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do like that we're getting that out of the way in the first leg. Um, so we kind of, we know what we need when we come home.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. I I prefer to know what we need when we're at home when we have we're on the front foot. Mm-hmm. So like you know like even even if trying to overturn a one nil deficit, it wouldn't be the end of the world knowing that we get to do it at home. It's, and if we
0: can if we can go away and get you know get a win or keep it close, I think that it's 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 a huge advantage.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm 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 going to be excited. Are you taking uh, the the lunch off for it? or Are you just going to be hmm we'll see
0: i i i'm i I need like a spot near my office that i can sneak away to yeah don't i know i think there's a good i think there's a good spot soccer bar nearby but i haven't checked it out yet so Mm. i got i i'm gonna have to pull the trigger one of these days and maybe champions leagues the the way to check it out
1: yeah i mean i'm excited wednesdays are my days off so it's uh, a Uh, The funny thing is I'll probably actually go to my work and be a civilian watching the game at my work for it.
0: I don't know why Wednesdays end up always being crazy. Um, at work, uh, maybe, I don't know. I can't tell you what it is. It's the hump day, man. It's Mm -hmm. good. Got to get over it. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to getting champions league going again. It's going to be a lot of fun and whether I'm, Sneaking away or just watching it at my desk. I'm just going to be glued to it as much as I can. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm so excited. Well, we're, um, I think we're, we're down to our last bit here. We've got one question from, from Joe, as you alluded to earlier, the, it will call it Timbit bit part
1: two, <laughs> a nice Timbit bit sandwich.
0: Yeah. Um, Joe said, if the Timbit, if the Timbit isn't about which player you'd want to be your Valentine's, then I want to ask that. So to, if this question is to both of us. It's a double Timbit. What, <laughs> who, who do you want to be your Valentine? Uh, it's a,
1: it's a hard one. Um, I think, I mean, right now I have very big starry eyes for both, uh, for Rice and for." Kivyar uh, or not Kivyar, uh, Chisard. Mm. but there's the, the sneaky Havertz in me that I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I just, I, 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 there's something about that player. I think it's cause uh, so many people dislike him that I've kind of, uh, tried to become his champion. Mm. And, but I think, I think you have to, you know, you have to go for the uh, quarterback, the, uh, the star, in my opinion, it's, it's going to be rice for me. In sense. <laughs> I like have he's, he's the new kid in school and I've, I've totally fallen in love with him.
0: <laughs> I think for me, I would, I would be, I'd be torn between, uh, Odegaard. Oh, um, he's, he would be my team crush, but, uh, you know, there's something, there's something, uh, there's something about Martinelli. Oh. I feel like he's, he's understated. He's one mm-hmm. of those, he's, he's like the, He's, he's like the star that doesn't know he's the star yet, you know? Yeah. He's still got that humility, that kind of quietness about him. Uh, and then once in a while he comes out and scores a couple of goals and you see flashes of what he could be. And it's like, Oh, I want to be along for that ride.
1: <laughs> yeah. I definitely say that. I, I like that Odegaard shout too. Like he, he totally, he, Odegaard looks like a quarterback to me. He, he looks like he could be dropped into like Friday night lights and be like <laughs> that, uh, that quarterback and, you know, but he's also that, that humble, he has that humbleness. Yeah. He, I think he, he
0: would have played on that uh, Icelandic hockey team and Mighty Ducks too. Oh three, yeah. What was three? that? Is that three? I don't know. I need, I'm... I need to, re- I, I think I need to revisit Mighty Ducks with the kids. <laughs> oh yeah. Need that's to a refresh a good my memory for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm not just going to be an adult sitting around watching Mighty Ducks <laughs> by myself, but uh yeah, you know, I feel like he's, he's got, He's got he's got some cutting cutting looks like he he could he could be a, a star in multiple sports.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but yeah though, be my valentine Odegaard.
1: <laughs> be my Valentine, Declan Rice. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. I think that should be it for us this week. So I I, I appreciate all of you who stuck through our, our Valentine's questions and all of the above. Um so thank thank you for sticking with us review and subscribe wherever you're picking up the podcast uh hit us up on our twitter etc by checking the show notes you can find links to everything there and that includes our discord which you can join us for um game day chats and, and everything in between and uh that's it for us this week so as always
1: see you at the next gun show